I went over to Mississippi to, to meet Carl, and, and, and I was in luck. We had a big book study over there at the same time. And I was asking a few people around if they knew Carl, and yeah, and they gave me his telephone number. Before I could call him, he came down to the big book study, and I, I didn't know him by name or sight, and, and he walked in. I knew who it was. He was hugging all the ladies, shaking all the hands, and and, and I, I just figured I knew that was Carl. But to start off our program, uh, if you will, along with me, welcome Carl uh, from uh, Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. Great balls of fire. I'm Carl, and I'm an alcoholic. And I'm happy to be up here in the day. When the lady called me and asked me would I speak here, I told her, yeah, but I had the least idea it was going to be speaking at a convention. I thought maybe I spoke in Mobile two or three times. And then when it, she said, now we're going to think over it a couple of weeks, and then I'll call you back. And then, Lord, I like to hit the ceiling when I found out I was going to speak at a convention. So a couple of weeks after she called me, and she said, Carl, you've been picked to speak here. I love that lady from Ashley, and I love Jack, and I love all of y'all. And... uh I'm calling. I'm an alcoholic, and I come in AA at 58 years old. And I was in a hell of a fix. I'm a raggedy-ass painter with a fourth-grade education. And I had a hard time. And when I come in AA, I couldn't even talk on the telephone. And I still read the traditions and... Uh, it works, I don't do that because I can't pronounce my words and I don't know how I go all over and talk. I just say the serenity prayer and ask God to let me do the best I can. A whole lot of things I want to say and I can't say. Uh, Mickey was talking about being short. I've been short, fat, bull-legged, and got a flat ass all my life. And I used to wear high heel shoes that time. And I'd wear a corset and pull in my stomach like that with them high heel shoes. I'd look pretty good till my ears start turning purple. <laughs> and then I had to breathe. And then it was all the shit the same thing. But after I got in AA, I noticed I was getting shorter and shorter than I was, you know. And I go to the Veterans Hospital, and I got arthritis, and I got it bad. The three top vertebral joints in my back is absolutely gone. And the doctor took the x-ray and shows me how my backbone's off. And I'm two and a half inches now shorter than I ever been. 
if I keep on getting shot, this flat ass is going to go to drag in the ground. <laughs> but today up here, I feel like I'm nine foot tall. I feel like I'm nine foot tall. And like I said, did anybody tell you today they love you? I love you. This is what I got in this program. I come in here at 58 years old with nothing but hate, resentment, and that pity pot. That little pity pot, would, I would have had to have the pity pot as big as a number three wash tub for my behind. I would have had the pity pot. The poor me. And if I'd ever get drunk again, it would be with the poor me. I very seldom ever get them, and when I get them, I know how to get rid of them. When Jack asked me to come up, when they asked me to come up here, and Jack was worrying about how I feel, he knew I was sick. I just got out the veterans hospital last year. I want this year. I went to Homer, but the one before, I wanted to go to Homer so bad, and I was in the veterans hospital, and I couldn't get up. I couldn't go, and Lord. I wanted to be there. So when he come down to Bay St. Louis, I wasn't long out that hospital. And every once in a while he called me up to feel, to see if I'm going to be able to make the trip. He knows my conditions. I got a bad heart and I got high blood pressure. But I wanted to make this trip. Now, if you don't believe in miracles, it's a miracle for me to be here. To drink till I'm 58 years old with a fourth grade education. I got nine kids. I'm going to tell you about that too. <laughs> uh, they couldn't get my blood pressure down, and I was on day. Uh, I go to the veterans every Wednesday, and I speak over there. And plenty of times they take me from the veterans in Gulfport to the veterans in Bluxy on the on the voyage of a stroke. But when I got out the hospital, I had to go back every week, every week. And I wasn't telling Jack all this stuff, because they got another speak in my place. <laughs> and then the doctor told me I was going to have to have, I was going to have to have a bypass. And that's all that wrote. I didn't want to have that bypass. And I did some tall praying, and if you don't believe in praying, I believe in praying. I got an A.A. by my mama praying for me on my big black rosers. I'm a Catholic, and I know that's the way I come to A.A. by my mama's prayer. And I did a whole lot of praying. So the day when I had to go in the hospital... Took my little razor and toothbrush and got ready to go and have this bypass. And the doctor, when I went up there, and the doctor said, "Mr. Thomas, we're getting your blood pressure better than it ever was, and I got you on a new medication, and we're going to try this for a while, and we might not have to have that bypass." And this has been about six months ago. And now, and this is the first time in 20 years they got my blood pressure under control. Every Wednesday I have it when I go to the meeting, check that Gulfport Hospital, and it's good. 
And they said, man, Mr. Colby, your blood pressure is better than mine. The doctor said he don't understand it. For 20 years, this is the first time they ever had my blood pressure under control. And I believe he did that too. God knows how bad I wanted to be here today. I believe he made my blood pressure all right. But I do believe in prayer. I'm Catholic and my mama used to see me drunk. And my mama seen me get an AA six months before she died. I got a brother, he's in AA, and I didn't know he was in AA, but I know he quit drinking. And I work at the shipyard. And every time I come home drinking on a Friday, I'd go in there to see Mama, and she'd have a big black rose. She's in bed. She can't get out. She say, "Call Mama's praying to the Blessed Virgin Mary that you quit drinking." And I said, "Mama, I'd get resentment." I said, "Mama, you pray to the Blessed Virgin Mary that Tello and brother. I got a brother we call brother. Uh, I he's nicknamed." And great balls to catch it, what else could it be? Uh, I said, you pray for them. They drink as much as me. But my mama, and I never had enough sense to know my mama was thinking about me. My brother Tello, he's pretty well off. He's an air-conditioned man, and he drank in the yacht club. He drank bottle and bone. I drank old swagman's... White port wine. You ever drink that shit? <laughs> Great balls of cat shit. It tasted just as good coming up as it did going down. <laughs> Man, that stuff will kill your ass. I said, Mama, you pray for Tello. He drinks as much as me. And I never had enough sense to know my mama was worrying about me more than her. But Lord, I'm glad my mama prayed for me. I say, she said, no, Carl, tell her don't drink as much as you. She wouldn't see him. I'd live right next to my mama. And tell her I'd go and see her once a week on Saturday and Sunday, see how she come. And he never would go around there drinking. But I'd come home from that shipyard and I see him staggering out the ballrooms and going home and uh, drunk. And she didn't know he drank, but I know he drank plenty. He had a big tree in the back of his yard, that big old tree. That big around, you couldn't put your damn arms around it. He drank and showed up and peed on that tree so much he killed that big tree. Camille couldn't kill the stone bitch. He'd kill it. <laughs> I like to see you laugh. That's the best medicine in the world to laugh. I seen Warren come in from Mobile last night and I never got to talking to him. 
He said, Carl, lay it on the ass today. I said, I can't talk like I talk other places. He said, you talk the way you want and put it on them. <laughs> In fact, I got a full grade education. I got to talk. I don't know nothing else to say. I ain't smart. But to talk about my brother, tell her I got a full grade education. He went through college. He was a good football player. Fought in the Golden Gloves. He won state championship three straight years in a row. And Mama, I had resentments about him. Mama was so proud of him. She had trophies all over, two big mantelpieces with the trophies. And that's why I had resentment. He'd fight and he'd bring home trophies. I'd fight and they'd put my old ass in jail. <laughs> And the way I got an AA, I got a choking spell. I used to choke on my own vomit when I was drunk. And this Saturday, I worked in the shipyard. We worked Saturday, and I had to work Sunday. A time and a half on Saturday, and double time on Sunday. So, I got drunk, and my, my wife would never leave me by myself when I was drinking on account I'd get them choking spilled. She left one of my little boys. He's a man now. She took my daughter home with my little grandchildren. My daughter's married to an alcoholic. I call him the Jolly Green Giant. He's six foot seven, big man, fine-looking man, but he's an alcoholic. And I got one of them choking spells. And my little boy, I was done turning black and I couldn't breathe. And I didn't, I, the last thing I remember my little boy saying, Daddy, I'm going across the street and get Uncle Ray. That's my neighbor. And the next thing I remember, I, they had me standing up in the hall and they had a big fan on me. They were giving me spirits in the morning. And they had ice on the back of my head. And he got me to breathe again. And that was a pitiful sight. To see my wife crying, my kids, my little kids fell around crying, and my mama saying a rosary and then crying. So the next day I couldn't go to work. I got the doctor. The doctor said I was on the voyage of a stroke. And I was sitting out on my front porch, and my brother come to see my mama, and he never even talked to me. Talked to me over the fence, he said, Carl, I heard you like to die last night. I said, yes, that all come damn near die. He said, keep on drinking that shit, and it'll kill your old ass, and he walked off. <laughs> and I got so damn mad with him, I told my wife, I said, that's my brother, and I'll never talk to him no more. I said, he didn't give a damn if I died or not. And uh, Lord, I was like to go crazy. I wanted to drink. I'd, I'd go to that shipyard and I'd come back. And especially when them fellas stop in Ocean Springs and get two quarts. That's what they get every Friday and drink. And I couldn't drink. 
because I was scared. So my son-in-law, I go and see what my daughter, if my little kids, grandchildren had milk for their bottle, had something to eat. I say, Sissy, where's Bob? She said, Daddy, Bob went to a meeting. I say, Sissy, that's the only bitch ought to go to work. Not be running to the meeting. I go to meet the next night. I go to the house the next night. I say, Sissy, where's Bob? He went to a meeting with Uncle Teto. Now, I say, Sissy, I know you're lying to Daddy. Uncle Teto's my brother, and he don't have nothing to do with me. He ain't going to have nothing to do to that son, but you married him. No way. But sure enough, my daughter knows, and I'm glad it was four or five weeks before I went to AA. But the night I went to AA, I never drank. And that's why I say this was a miracle. I went to that AA meeting just to see what my no good son-in-law was doing. <laughs> my daughter called me up and asked me, said, Daddy, why don't you go to a meeting with Bob? And I had no idea. I just wanted to see what kind of meeting that son of a bitch was in. I walked in that meeting, and I was a, I never seen nothing like that in my life. Not, I got 13 years, 9 months sobriety. I've never been to another meeting like that. It was absolutely beautiful. And I was sober for 4 or 5 weeks, and I could understand what they was talking about. They had fellas there I used to drink with. My brother was there, and I had to shake hands with him first time. First time! <laughs> First time I had to shake hands. And they tell you, hey, you got to do this shit. And I said, well, I'll shake hands with my brother, but I'll be goddamn when I shake hands with my son-in-law. I'll, I'll quit right now. And But you know, I had to shake hands with that son of a bitch, too. You got to do what they tell you, hey, if you want this, what we've got. It was beautiful. They had a bunch of people I used to drink. They had two priests there that night and a nun. <laughs> a black priest and a white priest. And I went home and that nun was just as pretty as you ever see. And they had a brother from St. Stanislaus. I went home. Agnes said, how you like that meeting? I said, Agnes, I got to do something about my drinking. I said, they got two priests there, alcoholics, and they got a beautiful little young nun there, alcoholics. But they was, and they was just at that meeting. But that was my first meeting. I said, if that damn booze can mess up that pretty young nun, what is going to do my crazy old ass with a full grade education? It'll kill me. I walked in that meeting. And I ain't never had another drink of whiskey in my life. This was the best 13 years, 9 months of my life. Life would have passed me by and I wouldn't have known this was supposed to be this beautiful. If I wouldn't have found AA. I'm not going to tell you no drunken log. But I've been kicked around, I've been beat up, and I've been thrown in jail. 
and I had a hard, hard road to I found AA. This been beautiful. Everybody, I can tell you something. There's a man right there, Warren, me and him's friends, been friends for years. He used to come to the veterans with me. These goddamn AAs, they don't give up. A few months ago, he was operated on. His neck, he lost all the taste of his food. We got a club, Rebo's Club, in Bay St. Louis. And his wife, Margaret, said, Carl, he's giving up. He won't eat. And we have breakfast there on a Sunday. He said he loves you. Try to make him eat his eggs. And I'd sit by him. I said, Warren, eat your eggs. And we had two eggs. He managed to eat one. Walking out to the car with him. He ain't got a car. He's got a beautiful truck. Walking out that Sunday... I had my arm around him, and then she kind of pulled me in the back. She said, Carl, pray for him. Pray for him. He's giving up, and he loves you to death, Carl. Pray for him. I said, I will. And I've been praying for Warren. Warren told me if I've got to keep taking them cobalt treatment and don't have no taste for food, lay my ass at hospital, call him, said, I'm going to die. I don't, I'll just go. They ain't going to do my ass this. He said, I don't want to live. About two weeks from that, I got a long distance call from Warren. And he looked, sound good on the phone. He said, Carl, this is Warren. He said, I got some good news. He said, I want to let you know your prayer's been answered. A little girl cooked some red beans next door to him. And he wouldn't eat, and she brought them beans over. She said, Mr. Brady, you please try to eat them. He said, Carl, I ate it. was beautiful. I got my taste back. I had all them beans. I ate it all. My taste come back. I said, great balls of catch. It weren't that good. Don't let your taste for that booze come back. <laughs> Keep away from them. I go to Homer, he takes me out to eat. He can take me out to eat after a while. Here, three or four months ago, <clears throat> six months ago, I thought I was done. Warren thought he'd done. Of course, we lived this program one day at a time, but we were planning on it. And if the good Lord said the same, next year we're going to Montreal. Shit. We ain't giving up. <laughs> I want all this. I want it all. I miss so goddamn much of life with nine kids. You don't know all that I miss when they birthdays, the best parts, you know, like Christmas time or when they graduate. I'll tell you about these nine kids. We're Catholics. <clears throat> My wife wasn't Catholic. She was Lutheran, and we got married by the priest. She had to go to communion, I mean, go to catechism and learn all this good stuff. And Lord, we got married kind of late in years. I was 30, 31. Huh? 
And I am a little older than my wife. Good bit older. I ain't going to tell you all that shit. How much older. She knows. Uh, but, goddamn, every year was having a kid. <laughs> this little Irish priest had I.S. on this rhythm shit. <clears throat> Done got eight kids when these birth control pills come out. I said, Agnes, that little Irish priest don't know shit from China over. You get two or three boxes of these birth control pills. Don't pay that song on no more mine. Great balls of catfish, he did. And the doctor's got me on high blood pressure pills. And she drank a little juice too back then. And we got the damn pills mixed up. <laughs> I was taking the birth control pills. She took the high blood pressure pills. She got pregnant, and I like to have a damn stroke. <laughs> I took so many of them goddamn bike control pills, my knockers look better than hers. She wouldn't let me play with us. I said, the hell would y'all play with my own? <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad Warren told me to tell it like it is, you know. I might have cut some of this out. So when you got in there, they said, I need a sponsor. And I got a sponsor, and I'm telling you, this was a mean son of a bitch. He used to bum with my son-in-law. Great big fella. And he used to go all over and round up call loads of people. And he brought more people to AA. But out that whole bunch he brought, I was the only one made it. I'll never forget my second meeting we went to. We went to Long Beach. I call that the kissing meeting. I meet, met Mickey there a couple of times. She used to speak there plenty. And sometimes that meeting lasts all night, a long time ago, 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning or Saturday night. I call that Saturday night live over there. <laughs> my second meeting, I went to my son-in-law's big Good-looking man. And I went with my sponsor, Bob, 
And I didn't like that some bitch. He had a bad temper. And all them women was kissing my son-in-law. I said, that son of a bitch ain't only alcoholic. He's running with all the women. He'd done done my daughter all kind of dirt. The second week I went over there, them women was kissing me. I said, great, balls are catchy. These son of a bitches are up. And I went to a whole lot of meetings with this sponsor of mine because I was scared to tell the son bitch I wasn't going after he come to get me. <clears throat> and I was getting out the bathtub and he was blowing the horn. Ah, he's in a big hurry for me. Me with all them kids, you know what they do, you. I want to smell good. I want them women to kiss me. And I reach in the medicine cabinet to get the right guard. And them kids done switched around and put that easy off in there what you clean ovens with. <laughs> Great balls of catching. He was blowing. I was getting nervous. And I squished some under my right arm. And I said, my goodness, it felt cool. It felt hot. And it felt okay. <laughs> I said, Great balls of catching. This must be that new improved shit they're talking about. I said, they done did something to this. I squirted under my head arm, and me, I want to smell good all over. I ain't got my shorts on yet. And I squirted all between my legs. And when it hit that flat ass, I was like a crippled eagle in that bathroom. I was a hollering, and I was like a crippled eagle, running around the bathtub, slipping in that damn soap and screaming. My wife said, what's the matter with you? You gone crazy now. I said, woman, you spray your ass with this easy off. You go crazy too. <laughs> Shit, it will. It's such a crazy... <laughs> Now, I'm telling you, I've gone back. Some people used to get on me when I carry on like this. They say, it is a serious thing. Nobody knows how serious, because I might have died. Nobody knows how love it is. I love it. It saved my life. This is a gift from God. But we got to laugh and we got to show Him. We love Him. Don't be crying all the time. Get your little ass on that little kitty pot. Show them you love them. We're all going to have sickness and you're going to have waiting. My mama had eight kids and one of the worst things I thought ever happened. I seen a little brother of mine, seven years old, died with lockjaw. That day he went away from home and he skipped school and he was only seven years old. My daddy gave him a little thinking my daddy was good. But my daddy died right after that. He couldn't stand it. He gave him that part of the thinking. Back of us, they had a big ice factory. And they used to haul, when I was a little boy, they never had AA. They never had automobiles. They had a few, the doctor and the lawyers like that had automobiles. But they had a big place in the back where they kept the mules and all that, to haul that ice to the shrimp boats. Um, wagon 
And my little boy got stuck with one of these things that playing on the railroad, my little brother. These flares. Got stuck with that and got back there and played around them horsemen and got locked here. We never had no hospital. The doctor stayed with my mom all night. The priest stayed with her. They had an old black lady. Stayed with my mama. My poor dad would be needling one corner praying, my mama. And that was a terrible thing to see my little brother die. Four o'clock in the morning with Lockjaw. I said, this is the saddest thing I suppose my mama and daddy will ever see. But my daddy never seen it. He died right after that. He couldn't get over it. But for 58 years, my mama seen me in hell with this alcohol. That was all. My little brother died at seven years old, went right to heaven. I was in hell for 58 years, and my mama see all this. I'd be in automobile wreck. I lived right next door to her when I got married, raking up the leaves and all, and think I got mental spirits, color, and the gasoline. I put on the fire drunk, blow my ass up, burn all my hair off, and my poor mama looking and seeing that. That's why she was praying so hard for me with those rosaries. But she used to do a whole lot of praying. And I said, Mama, why? To myself. You prayed for my little boy. I got kind of mad with God and thought God was punishing us. I thought that up to the time I got to the AA. God was punishing me because of the way I was living. God don't punish us. We punish ourselves. Not long my daddy died, my mama kept praying. She had two brothers <coughs> and a brother-in-law. And there was alcoholics too, and they got drowned. <coughs> she kept praying for them. And when I see my mama praying for me, I was kind of scared. I said, God ain't asking her prayers. But my mama seen me and I seen my brother in AA for a year or a year and a half and he seen me six months before I died. Before she died. Her last Mother's Day, I used to always bring her a card. And I had a bunch of cousins over there from New Orleans that used to all come and see mom on Mother's Day. They all brought a little present. I put a $10 bill in a Mother's Day card, and I give it to her, and she told my, all my cousins and all around it, this is the best Mother's Day I ever had in my life. And she hugged me and kissed me, and she said, my boy, you don't call me a boy at 58 years old. My boy don't drink no more. My boy don't drink no more. Now when I go out to... Uh, all saints didn't put a flowers on a grave. I'll bite there and go put some flowers on the grave. I talk to my mama. And I thank her. Thank her for praying for me. Because that's how I got it. 
I'm, I'm praying for me. I'm a them beads. That's how all of us, plenty of us got here. Your mama, your daddy, your children, somebody prayed for you to get here. You just never went out to the beach and went having one good time with a hangover and say, hell, I'm going to go there and quit. Shit, no, that isn't the way it was. I had a brother, too, I loved. And I wish he would have got, he never would come to this program, but he, my brother was got this in here now, Tedo. He's well fixed. I'm not. I'm well fixed in AA. I just got a social security act. But Lord, don't you think I ain't well fixed? I'm sitting on top of the mountain. I'm all right. My brother's got swimming pools in his yard and all that. My yard ain't big enough to put a swimming pool in. (laughs) But I got one. It runs from Bay St. Louis here. I live a block and a half on the beach. That's my swimming pool. I get out in there that night. Flown the fish. I got a swimming pool too. I ain't got the money my brother's got. But I got the same thing he's got. I got to say it. So this other brother, brother mine, we call him brother. And sometimes we call him black. He was talking to us. But when we was little, I was always good to this brother. We were playing cops and robbing y'all, and my daddy was a coupe. He made bells. And you know these slate roofs they got in y'all? We was throwing that one, and I pick up a piece of that slate, and I throwed it like that, and he was hiding underneath the house. I couldn't even see where he was at. And that slate hit him right on the nose and cut his nose, and it was hanging down. And he liked to bled to death before they got him. to the charity hospital. I said, if my brother lives, I'll never hit him and I'll be good to him the rest of my life. And he come back home all sold up and patched up and the rest of his life he had a great big skull across his nose. And I'd cry when I see that skull. He'd wear his glasses like that on top of that skull. And I never would hit my brother, let nobody else hit him, because I put that score on him. But you know, I put some scars on a whole lot of people. I put some scars on my poor mama getting me out of jail, watching the doctor sewing me up, wrecking automobiles. Just before my brother died, I used to be with him all the time. And then after I got in AA, my brother Teddo, I didn't bum with him. Me and him never could get along. And my brother asked me one night, he said, Carl, how come you don't come around no more? Me and you used to be so close all the time, now you're bumming with Teddo. I said, brother, I'm not bumming with Teddo. I said, I'm going to AA meetings. I'm an alcoholic. He said, Carl, you ain't an alcoholic. You don't drink no more than me. Oh, love. <laughs> I'd give anything in the world if I could have got my brother to come to alcohol. He was a good man. 
great vulgar fire. He was the best man. He wasn't like me and my brother Teddo. He would never curse. He would never. I never heard. Never did see him get mad with nobody. He was a good man. But I found out he had cancer. I go and I stay with him every day. And the last night he was home. Uh, it was on a Sunday night, and he made me sleep with him. I said, brother, I'll come back. I'm going to church. I'm going to mass. When I come back, he told my wife. He said, Agnes, make him come back. I want to talk to him. I've got some things I want to tell him. So after church, I went back, and he made me get in bed with him, laid by him, and he put his arm around my neck. And he said, Carl, this is the hell of a time to let you know this while I'm dying. He said, I want to let you know I love you. I said, Brother, I know you love me and I love you. Why are you telling me that? He said, Because you never did tell it to me and I never tell it to you. Don't wait till we die to let one another know we love them. This been six, five, six years ago my brother died. I let people know every meeting I go to now. I love them. And you can believe me, I love you from the bottom of my heart. My brother was trying to tell me something. Don't wait till you die. Let somebody know. Let them die. I watched when they buried him. They took his, clothes, his glasses off him just before they closed the coffin, and I wanted to sit by prayed for him, and he had his glasses like that. And I thought about all them scores, and a good peace come over me. Look, all the scores were put on Jesus Christ. That score I put on my brother. And after I put that mask on him, he wanted to let me know before he died he loved me. Lord, that's what we got to do in AA. That's what we got to do in AA. That's what the how this program works. It's the love for one another in AA. And just as alcoholics know what that alcoholic feels and what he's been through and all, other people don't know this. Jesus stretched his love for us that far on a cross. And he never did that for me to choke the dead on my vomit. He give me a hey, that I can come and love you. And we can come and love that drunk but come off the street. And I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. I got two boys. I got a nephew. I'm his godfather. And there's nothing a godfather could give his godchild better than they eat. But I can't give it to him, and he won't come. And I feel kind of bad about that. Because I kind of 
started my nephew drinking this stuff. I thought it was all right and big. There was two brothers, and they lived right next door to me. It was getting big, and they were going out on dates. My nephew would come and say, Uncle, oh, how about loan me your car and give me a pint of that white lightning you got? I used to get that stuff from the keel and age it. I say, okay, Craig, take it and go. And sometimes he'd bring his date and Gussie's brother. They'd bring the date at my house and they'd play the music and they'd dance and I'd let them go and I drank with them. And I thought, oh, that was nice for Uncle to be doing this. But Lord, I wish my uncle, I, I wish I could give him some music. We used to, I had plenty of good times with my nephews and my nieces, so I'm going to tell you all this and then I'm going to shut up. Uh, we used to, I used to love to drink this false dad beer. Because I drank homebrew too, I used to make plenty homebrew. But this time they had false dad beer at Windex and it was on sale. 89 cents for a six-pack. You know, this was a long time ago. <laughs> but you don't allow three to a customer. I'd send and get three. I'd send Craig to get three, and then Gussie to get three. And we kept this up. Kept this up to the, the man, the manager of the store, run the hell out of it. But hell, I didn't give a damn. I had the back of the car full up with false staff. <laughs> so we get home, and I get the guitar out. And uh, start picking that guitar. I can't pick no goddamn guitar. <laughs> and me and my two nephews singing, and I think I, think I sound like Eddie Arnold when I'm drunk. <laughs> and my old mother-in-law was there. She don't even pre she don't appreciate nothing I do. <laughs> About ten o'clock at night, she say. I wish you'd shut up that racket and uh, go to sleep. And I said, uh, Gussie, hey, Miss Hartman's tired and she wants to go to sleep. And I said, I done yodeled through six six-pack and I ain't as good as I was before. I said, y'all drink this beer and you go home. Don't drink no more uncle's beer. And they got a giant police pup in the house. I don't want that damn dog in the house. I don't like a dog in the house. I said, when y'all go home now, put that dog out. I woke up about two o'clock in the morning with the damnedest thing over you ever had in your life. Instead of putting that damn guitar at the head of the foot of the foot, of the, I put it right on the side of the damn bed. I step out the bed and I step right in that guitar. I can't get that sound myself. My broken. Then I'm in there. And I'm walking around trying to get the light on to see how to get them with the strings out of promoting And my old mother-in-law holler, What's the matter with you? Three o'clock in the morning making all that noise, walking, making that noise. You can't walk without making all that noise. I said, Great bowls of cats hit you about Lex. I'd like to see you walking two o'clock in the morning with a guitar on your foot without making noise. Shit, you can't do it. 
I grab that string and I pull it by that eye and it slip out my hand and hit me right on my ingrowing toenail. <laughs> Great balls of fire. I pass the squealing worm with a glass eye. You, you ever see a squealing worm with a glass eye at 2 o'clock in the morning? That's an ugly little something. I didn't want to put the light on and buy the old mudding lawn anymore. I stepped in a pile of dog crap. <laughs> Them boys didn't put that dog out either. <laughs> and they say if you step in dog crap at 2 o'clock in the morning and you don't get mad, that's good luck. <laughs> don't believe that shit. There ain't nothing to it. I tiptoed in the kitchen, put on the light and opened the fridge there. Them boys drink every damn can of false feathers I had. Every can. Then I got mad. I slammed that dope. I put out the light. I stepped in another pile of dog crap. It was still hot coming through my toes. <laughs> Now, I'm going to tell you how to break a dog. Housebreak, that's on bitch. You'll never have no more trouble with it. I took one of them can of false steps, and I scooped up that stuff he made on that floor, and I jammed it on his nose. That damn dog went crazy. Run all around the house, run underneath her bed, everybody's bed. She said, what's the matter with you and that dog going crazy? I said, old battle back, you had a can of dog shit on your nose, you'd go crazy too. That was the cutest thing you ever seen. That puppy, that big, he, he got to be that big. And to see that great big dog, a Falstaff can, I mean a milk can, a poking bean, he wouldn't do it. It had to be a Falstaff deer can. Just see him in the backyard squatting over that can. <laughs> My wife made me take a plane for six months. You know that dog got constipated and died? <laughs> I heard Bish say one time. I heard Bish say one time, did you ever tell him, no, did you tell somebody today you love them? I'll never forget, I was in the program about six months. And me and my wife, we had a little argument. She was drying dishes, and I got mad and said, I got out the house, I slammed the door. I said, to hell with you, I'm gone. Like I was never coming back, like I was going to China. And I left on a bicycle. I got out as far as the beach, and I only live a block and a half from the beach. And I was out of breed, so I stopped. And I got to thinking about what Bish said. And the day was for my, my wife's birthday. I come to think it was her birthday. 
I said, great, balls to catch it. I ought to not do that on a birthday. This day, you're supposed to tell somebody you love them. So I go down by the five and ten cent store, and I buy a little present. I got a, one of them titty corners there. The woman said, what size? I said, I don't know, 35. 35 of each one. <laughs> I got a pair of understeps. I got the lady to wrap it up nice. And she was still sniffing and crying a little bit, washing the dishes at the day, pouting like she always do. And I slipped... I slipped on the back, and uh, I gave a little kiss on the ear. I said, Agnes, I love you. She told all the dishes up. She said, my God, the son of a bitch is drunk again. I was slow, you see, I got in this program. Took me 58 years to get here. Y'all young people, you don't need to wait that long. You'll get a hold of this program right now. Right now. You don't have to go and suffer another day. And from the day on, that home of the convention was beautiful. They lit a great big candle. And the one that had the most sobriety, one man had 38 years, and he lit the candle. But his 38 years never made him feel as much as good. His son was there at that day, and he had five years, and it was his birthday, five years, and they ate. That day that old man happened. But when they blowed the candle out, when the convention was over, they got the one with the less surviving And a lady with this two, two days, she blowed it out. It was a great big candle, and they give her the candle. She broke down crying, and the whole room just broke down crying. They made as much over the lady was two months, I mean two days, and the one who fought the 38 years. We love y'all newcomers. We love you. And I mean this. I mean this from the bottom of the heart. I love all of y'all here. This is the best thing and the nicest thing. Lord, A.A. been good to me. But this is the nicest thing ever happened to me in my whole life. Y'all asked for me to speak and open up this convention for you. I'll think of this the rest of my days and I appreciate it. And I love y'all all with from, from the bottom of my heart, and I thank y'all for listening to that man. God bless all of y'all.
I just wish my poor mother-in-law could be here. She said, I never would mom to that. Thank you. Thank you, Carl. You have started out at convention all right. That was good. I enjoyed it. I know we all learned something. If nothing else, how to smile. Folks, that concludes the first speaker. And if uh, all of you will, stand and, and hold hands and we'll close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, God in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Provide the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank all of you.